Illustrated.org podcast coming away Q&A episode 463. Steve Schmee, Rick Sir, Ricky V. Rock. We're going to have five great topics. How's it going? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? What's everybody doing out there? Not much. So the first one we're going to talk about is this guy says his first cycle, 40 years old, five foot nine, 185 pounds. He wants to know what we recommend. So Rick, why don't you talk about this one first? Because I think you're about that age. Talk about what would you recommend for this guy for his first cycle at that age? Good question. I would say single compound, single, single compound. Uh, uh, testosterone is always a, a great option. So uh, episode 278 and episode 284, we do uh, pretty extensive testosterone profiles. Anavar. Anavar is also a pretty great classic for a cycle. We uh, tackle that subject on episode 288. Also, uh, Dianabol has been a good first cycle for a lot of people. Wouldn't be my first choice for a first cycle, but uh, if you're out there and you can get good Dianabol, why the hell not? 274 episode, that episode, we talk about Dianabol. Uh, also, you can go with single compound when it comes to SARMs. Ostrin, we covered that in episode 338. And Ostrin would be a great first cycle. If you're just cutting, you could literally get away with, with losing some good body fat, increasing your endurance without fucking with your endocrine system at all. No PCT. You can take a look at Carterin. We, we discussed that in episode 330. Um, I would say if it's a very, very first cycle, if you're bulking, you'd be well served with anything from Dianabol to testosterone to maybe some Osterin. It's pretty mild compared to Anavar and stuff, but you know, it's, it's Osterin. You could put on some pounders with Anavar too. Why not? If you're looking to cut, definitely Anavar, GW. Those are your real good kind of uh, statically pleasing effects results. But yeah, I think first cycle for most guys, look, I think it's my opinion. You should go single compound. And my first cycle, I didn't go single compound. I had a couple of different drugs in there. But uh, first guy, you're just getting started. You're 40. Single compound. See how things work. Journal it somewhat. Make sure that you can you start to gain a experience and knowledge with how each of these different compounds behave. And, and that's it. Uh, we, you know, we have quite a bit uh, of episodes where we are, are discuss uh, steroid use for new guys. Uh, for example, steroids for noobs. That was episode 374, where we actually go pretty well into depth into uh, different steroids that can be used by newbies. And I'm sure I, I spoke about primobolin and testosterone, some of these other ones there, because primobolin is also a, a newbie steroid. I guess, look, there are many compounds that could be used for you on the first time. I would just suggest if it's your first time, go single compound, single compound. Make sure you take an N2 guard if it's an oral. Um, make sure you take an N2 generate to make so you don't get suppressed. Take it during your PCT, my uh, testosterone booster. Uh, take it, please, guys. And uh, that's about it. I think that's that's what I think. I think single compound, and you could you could definitely try that. There's few out there that are that are really nice and you could try primo bolin we got in that one on episode 292 and episode 378 we discussed primo bolin at length that's a great little first cycle for anyone two 400 milligrams even of primo bolin a week first cycle along with some n2 guard and ac generate why the fuck not it's a great little first cycle so um single compound support products that's that should be the main 
focus on your first cycle. Uh, and again, we, we've given different advice out there at times. We've discussed maybe two or three compounds and you could do that as well. But I think today, you know, my advice today is I think single compound, first time, 40 year old, especially your 40, you, you might already have some conditions that are beginning to develop. As we get older, conditions begin to, to develop and worsen. And, and you want to tread lightly, you know, in your 20s, you might have less conditions and less things that you need to worry about. So maybe um, those guys uh, are, tend to be, those guys tend to do a lot more. But as you get older, got shit to worry about, cholesterol, sugar, you know, hair, all kinds of things you worry about. It start to worry about at 40, joints, you know, uh, uh, to just single compounded you know, go, go, go slower. I think a 40 year old guy maybe needs to go slower on the steroids and look out and do journal and document and be on the lookout more for side effects than I think a, a younger man uh, would, um, because maybe the younger man won't feel the side effects right away. Um, older guy, it could worsen something that was already on, on the way. What do you think, Steve? I don't have a problem with running more than one compound for a first cycle. I think that as long as you know what you're doing and know what the side effects are and know how these compounds should affect your body, you do your research. I don't have an issue if you were to run, you know, an injectable and then, and then use a kickstart oral or, you know, finish your cycle with an oral, something like that. I wouldn't have an issue with it. So my thing is, I think a, uh, the one thing I don't think is a good idea on a first cycle is something very harsh, whether it be an harsh oral or harsh injectable. So Trenbolone out of the question, Anadrol out of the question, Halo out of the question, Superdrol out of the question, really, really harsh compounds because you don't need to deal with that shock on your body, that stress on your body from steroid use. Your first cycle, you want it to be clean. You want it to be enjoyable. You want to be able to run a 10, 12 week cycle, stick to stuff like light doses or moderate doses of testosterone, which by the way, has a lot of side effects, by the way, don't think it doesn't. Uh, testosterone has a lot of androgenic and estrogenic side effects. The more you run of it, the more that's going to happen. So let me, let me backtrack on that. Your first cycle, uh, it doesn't matter if your first cycle or 20th cycle, these are very powerful hormones. So don't think, oh, I'm just going to run testosterone 500 milligrams a week and I'm going to be scot-free. I guarantee you more people have run testosterone as, as a first cycle, 500 milligrams and ended up with gynecomastia, ended up with estrogen issues, ended up with heart strain, ended up with liver issues, ended up with kidney issues, all right? Ended up shut down, shut down hard on testosterone. So any anabolic steroid you run is serious business. So don't think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to run one compound and nothing's going to happen to me because that's not the way this works. So I think you can run one compound, two compounds, no problem, maybe even three compounds. You could do something where you run an injectable for 10 or 12 weeks, and then you kickstart your cycle with an oral, and then you finish it with, a, with an oral. I don't got an issue with that. I don't know why guys, some guys on forums and says, oh, you got to run just one, one compound. You know, it doesn't matter. You're still running anabolic steroids. You're still going to get shut down. You're still going to have side effects. So 
you know, I don't have an issue, especially at 40 years old with someone, you know, running something like EQ for 10 or 12 weeks and kickstart it with some T-ball and then finish it off with Anabar. You're telling me that's going to be more dangerous than running say 500 or 750 milligrams a week of testosterone for 12 weeks and getting shut down and having estrogen problems and having energetic problems. Of course not. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the approach I would take it. Just know what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you run. Just know what the hell you're doing. That's, that's the number one thing you should be concerned about. And, and yeah, and I just want to toss, toss something in there real quick, uh, uh, just as a little bit of a counterpoint to what you're saying, Steve. Uh, I don't fully disagree with everything you're saying. Um, just in this context, you know, you're 40, first cycle. Uh, one of the things that you and I always tell guys is uh, begin to kind of build a knowledge base and learn and see how your body reacts to, to these things. You know, what, what Steve's maybe go to a favorite compounds are, are definitely not the same as my go to a favorite compounds because our bodies have reacted differently to, to all these compounds. So um, my advice of going single ingredient is definitely so that you can understand how each of these is affecting your body and begin to, to learn that. And so that, because if you do more than one compound, it's your first go and you're 40, you might be getting a side effect and not know where it's from and not know what's really doing it. And maybe you drop your whole cycle and quit and you don't, you don't realize that it was maybe that one drug that didn't sit well with you. Is that one drug that, that made you break out like you're a fucking teenager again at 40. But if you had used this different steroid instead of that other one, you could have gotten the same compound, the same, um, you could have gotten the same results, the same uh, benefits without the acne or, or on your back or in your face or without, you know, so the only way you figure that out is by taking it one at a time and seeing what, you know, what, what works, what, so that was just a little counterpoint. And, and look, I think either approach will always work. Either approach can work, but there's a lot to consider when making these decisions, obviously. All right. So the next one we're going to talk about would be early thirties with Sustanon you better than testosterone sipinate. So, um, yeah, so Sussanon is four different esters. We're talking about Sussanon 250 here. So the way it works, they came up with the idea of putting in 100 milligrams of testosterone decanate, 60 milligrams of testosterone isocapriate, 60 milligrams of testosterone phenylpropionate, and 30 milligrams of testosterone propionate. So you got one short ester, one intermediate ester, and then two longer esters, um, one being extremely long. So 100 milligrams of testosterone decanate, 15-day half-life on that. So just be aware of what you're injecting, guys. This is uh, most of what you're injecting, 160 milligrams out of the 250 is going to be either a nine, most of it is going to be extremely long ester. Most of it is we're talking a hundred out of that, out of the 250 is a 15 day half-life. And then the, another 60 milligrams is a nine day half-life. So we're talking 160 milligrams out of the 250. That's going to be at least a nine day half-life. So you have to treat this like a long, long ester. So, um, you know, my, my view on sustenance, if you're running it less than, in, you know, you want to run a cycle less than eight weeks, you got to keep that in mind. Sustenance is going to take time to peak in your system. It's going to take several 
it'll take a couple months really to peak in your system. This is the way the, the way these steroids were designed. Sustenone was designed for testosterone replacement therapy. It was designed to inject the, the whole vial, the whole amp of 250 milligrams every two or three weeks. You see, that was the idea to be less injections. And then each ester picks up after one another. So if you're running a steroid cycle of say 10, 12 weeks, eh, Sustenin, you know, eh, you know, it, it can work. You can inject it once or twice a week and it could work, but it's not the most ideal thing. Plus Sustenin, you know, gives a lot of people post-injection pain. I know it did with me when I ran it. Now, a lot of the underground labs, they take the edge off and it's not as, as much. So, um, you know, so at the end of the day, I would, I would just go with either Sepinate or E. They're smoother injections. There's more control over the compound. Uh, Sustenin, you just have to inject it a long period of time. It's more designed for really long cycles, like 16 or 12, 20 week cycles, you know, or if you're doing long-term TRT, that's, that's the only way I would do a Sustenin in this situation. Yeah, I think that was a great, that was a great answer, uh, Steve. Uh, uh, look, where are you getting the susten on? I mean, if it's some fly-by-night lab or <clears throat> somebody at the gym, uh, you know, labeling stuff in his house, there's chances are that might not even be four esters in there. You might just be paying more because you're being told is he is susten on when it's probably just the same anatomy. Who knows, right? So if you're buying underground, maybe just get the, the cheaper sipionate and shoot it more often and be done with it. Now, if you're in a situation where you are getting TRT and, and in your location, uh, sustenone is still used for TRT and you're getting human grade, you know, organon and things like that. All right, I, I could see the appeal. But just to get underground stuff, um, a bottle you're being told has four esters in it, more money versus a bottle that you're being told has one ester in it. Maybe save some money and, and, and go, go that route. Uh, that's, that's just all I had to add to that. What else we got, Steve? So let's go to the next topic. Next topic is this guy is complaining his red blood cell count, his hematocrit are high. So with red blood cell count for men, you want to get into the range, you know, somewhere between five and six million red blood cells per microliter of blood. So when you get the blood work done, you'll see the range on your blood work. And you'll want to you'll want to see that now. If you have lower red blood cell count, that's one of the things you know. One of the most likely things are happening is you're you're anemic, and um, you know anemia is really something that older people start getting, and it kind of sucks the the energy out of you. On the flip side, you know high red blood cell count sounds like a great thing, and. Um, you know, when you have high red blood cell count, you're going to have more energy, you're going to have more endurance. You know, a lot of wonderful things come with it, but one of the things that's not good about it is it's a lot of pressure on your heart. So you got to remember red blood cells carry oxygen in the blood. So when you have a lot, this is why guys who stay on steroids year round at artificially high levels or the guys that do TRT, you know, they do TRT, but they're running a artificially high amount of TRT and they call it TRT. Like they're running 200 or 250 milligrams a week of testosterone for their TRT. Well, your red blood cell counts are going to 
probably be high. So it could be a lot of pressure on your heart. Now, the other thing he's complaining about hematocrit. So hematocrit measures proportion of red blood cells in your blood. And the red blood cells carry oxygen throughout your body. So if you have too little or too many red blood cells, it could be a red flag for certain diseases. In this case, when you're running anabolic steroids, it's pretty common to see your hematocrit levels start working their way up. And again, it's the same thing as a red blood cell count thing. They go kind of hand in hand. What's going to happen is it's going to be put a lot of pressure on your heart. And when you get older, you know, that's why you see a lot of bodybuilders are dropping dead in their late 40s and 50s now. You know, because um, not only are they, they take anabolic steroids, they're also huge. You know, so they, they're carrying a lot of mass, puts a lot of extra pressure on their heart. Your heart can't take it anymore. And that's it, especially if you're not getting your heart tested, you're not, or you're ignoring. This is what happens with bodybuilders. They ignore these red flags. They ignore high blood pressure. They ignore cholesterol levels are off. They ignore high hermetocrit. They ignore a high red blood cell count. Like, oh, it's just part of the game. It's normal. Well, it might be normal in bodybuilding to have those numbers off, but it's not healthy. So what can we do to reduce it? The simple answer is come off everything. Come off steroids, come off SARMs, come off supplements, even come off food. Do some fasting, you know? Put a little, put a little, you know, a little effort into strengthening your heart. Maybe come off everything if you don't want to, you know, if you still want to take supplements, you're concerned about mass loss, whatever, maybe you need to lose some mass. Maybe that's, that's what it's going to take to give your body a little break. Maybe focus on cardio for a couple months. Take a break from the gym and just do cardio, you know, just get this, that heart strengthened. Because what happens is you got that thick blood flowing through your body. And that's not good. You know, that's not good at all. And, um, you know, obviously there's other issues. Um, smokers have higher, higher numbers. Um, if you live at high altitudes, that can affect it as well. Um, not really normal. It's, it's, I'm not saying not really. I'm saying it isn't normal for human beings to live at a high altitude. That's why you see people who live at high altitudes have a high suicide rate. You're robbing your brain of oxygen, but that might be a topic for another day. Um, I mean, we're human beings. We evolved from the jungles near the equator. We didn't evolve living up in mountains. So if, you've, if you live at high altitudes and that's where you want to live the rest of your life, you're probably going to live less longer than someone who lives in a Mediterranean climate at close to sea level. You know, that's just, that's human beings. We're not um, yaks. You know, we're not supposed to, we're not, we're not, we're not a, a Yeti where we're supposed to live up in the mountains. You know, we evolved to not live in the mountains. So, but again, that's an, that's an argument from the day. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone wants something to take. Let's take this. Let's take that. Let's take this. Let's do that. You know, and it's, it's at the end of the day, it's that simple. Just coming off everything. And you could, you could try a strategy of, of this. You can do, do a lot of fasting. It also takes some N2 guard. N2 guard has a lot of ingredients that are going to be beneficial for the heart. N2 generate is also really, really good for the heart. It's got ingredients to benefit the heart as well. It's got herbals. 
So if you don't want to come off all your supplements, those are two good supplements that I would recommend. But just keep in mind, a lot of these supplements that you guys are taking, and I know this as I talk to you guys on the forums, I talk to you guys off of the forums, a lot of you are taking these stimulants. And these stimulants, what do they do? They fuck with your heart. You know? They fuck with your heart more than your heart should be fucked with. So that adds to the situation. So you really have to reduce the amount of stimulants you're getting. And that, yes, that includes coffee, all right? That includes coffee. If you're a coffee addict and you can't go without your coffee, switch to decaf, switch to tea, green tea, you know, do something like that instead, you know, but this is something serious here. This is something serious, guys. Um, What's going to end up happening is you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a stroke at a young age, and that's not fair to your family. You know, so don't don't ignore this. Take this very serious. Anything you want to add, Rick? Um, look, uh, hermetocrit levels. Best way is always, as we know, donating blood. And uh, the best thing I could add to it is I did a little bit of uh, of research here. Um, <clears throat> There's a good study from uh, 2016, the effects of repeated whole blood donations on aerobic capacity and hemoglobin mass in moderately trained male sub subjects, randomized control trial. Um, they could notice a, a decrease of about 11% for hematocrit and 10% hemoglobin concentrations um, for guys uh, donating blood by single donation. And so, you know, and there, there would be a, a, a cumulative effect on subsequent donations. So that's the way to do it. I personally just have my blood drawn um, and I dispose it uh, because I yeah, spend a lot. When I'm in South America, I, I'm able to do that, pay a nurse to come in and do that. Some guys like to donate it. Uh, if you want your blood to be used, you might have to fib a little bit because I'm pretty sure the forms ask you if you uh, inject any illegal drugs and, and you kind of sort of do. Will it affect someone that is receiving your blood? Um, yeah, that's that's a that's that's, up for, that's for another podcast. But I just have it drawn. Some guys like to go in and donate, but yeah, it's a, when it comes to RBC hematocrit, it's just for us steroid users is is the is the best way. Yeah, right now there's a big blood shortage right now. So um, I donated about three weeks ago, and I, I donate every chance I get. And um, so if you really want to knock that number down, donate plasma when you go in. And as far as I know, well, there's, there's whole blood donations and there's different types of donations. Get the, you know, I, you know, whole blood, it's like, it's really quick. You're in and out like 20, 15, 20 minutes. But if you donate, you know, some of the other types of donations that they offer, those are more universal as far as I, I'm not, I'm not a, um, blood donation expert. This is just what the ladies there tell me when I go in, because what happens is if you donate the whole blood and uh, you're, you're only going to be able to not only going to be able to use that blood for someone who needs, who who's, who's your blood type, right. Or matching blood type. But if you donate the plasma, if you donate that, which takes about like two, three times as much time, and it wipes the shit out of me. I've done that before. I was down for like two days. 
Okay, that wipes you out. But that is a universal blood donation. So any person can use that donation. So really, really important. Um, I'm not sure if you, you know, maybe Rick, you're not aware of this, but, you know, as we're doing this podcast, there's someone sitting in a hospital bed waiting, some kid, okay, who's just got in a car accident, okay, He's sitting or she's sitting in the in the hospital right now. And they're waiting for someone to donate blood to give to that kid. So it's extremely important that you donate blood to help your community. We're supposed to be the alphas of our community. We're supposed to be the big shots of our community, strongest, fastest, toughest, smartest, everything. That's being alpha. You know, that's being alpha. Donate blood. If you're a real alpha, donate blood to give to people who need it. You know what I'm saying? And it's good for you and it's good karma. Karma will come back in your direction. We're talking about what what it takes to be an alpha. That's an alpha. Someone who's well-educated, intelligent. They, They learn new skills. They learn new things. They help their community. That's an alpha. And that's that's what we gotta do better. That's what we got to do better. Because right now there's a huge blood choice. When I gave, when I went and gave blood, I was the only one that morning to give blood. Only one. That's that's sad. That's sad that people are are this this selfish. But that's I guess that's our society that we're so we're we're not in the in our community. We have to be we have to be selfless in our community. We have to help the less fortunate in our community who need who need our blood. And when I was born. I almost needed a blood transfusion. So I take this really personally myself. I almost needed a blood transfusion to save my life, but I didn't. The doctor, you know, um, you know, was like, no, he's going to be okay. He doesn't need blood donation. So, but, so I take it very personally. So definitely go get blood. Great, great thing to, to bring up, Rick, for sure. Cause I did not bring it up myself. But that's, that's really, really important. And yes, lie on the form. Don't tell them you inject. Don't tell them, you know, you use needles. Just say no, 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 no to, to everything, you know, and uh, you'll be able to donate. And your blood is perfectly fine. If you take steroids, or if you don't take steroids, your blood will be perfectly fine. Yeah, I, uh, I um, you know, my opinion and my own personal, I just I just don't do it because um, I don't I don't lie on the form because I'm, you know, it's a. It's kind of, I'm, I'm under the structures, kind of the rules, and I just don't do it. But I know many guys do it. And I don't, I don't look down on guys who, who do because I don't really know if it does anything or not. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure that they're hurting anybody by lying about steroid use on that form. Might no, if the blood's no good, they'll, they'll, yeah, they'll throw I, your blood away. I don't, I don't, uh, yeah, hurt I don't yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't look down on anybody that does it. I just myself. Just because I don't know, I'm an anxious dude. I just don't like going in there the whole time. I'm like thinking about it. It's like, fuck it. I just, when I'm in South America, I have a nurse come in. She brings the stuff. She draws the blood, uh, gets disposed of, and it's and it's over with. And I don't, you know, I don't have to uh, fib about anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't look down on guys that do. It's just my, my choice. My body, my choice. All right, so next, next one. 
the next one we're going to talk about is should I do steroid shots in the morning to reduce anxiety while on gear? Um, I'm going to bring this to you in a second. All I got to say on this, guys, is look, at the end of the day, I don't like morning injections. My muscles are very cold. Um, when I inject in the morning, it just seems like my muscles don't want to have some piece of stick going through it. You know, it just doesn't want it. So I prefer to inject later in the day when my muscles are warm, my muscles are loose, maybe after a hot shower, after a workout. Those are the perfect times for me. That's when my muscles are kind of more, more chill, more relaxed, and more accepting of getting poked. But nah, in the morning, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to do it in the morning. So I'm not really sure. Well, why don't you talk about this, Rick? Because you, you have had anxiety issues. Is this, is this true? If you inject in the morning, it's better for anxiety? I don't, I haven't seen any relation to, to any of that, to be, to be quite honest with you. I don't, I don't really remember my shots ever really affecting my, my anxiety at all, man, to, to be, to be real with you. Maybe you, maybe uh, some guys, you could get a bit of an adrenaline rush um, shooting uh, and later in the afternoon and it could mess with your sleep a little bit, maybe give you a big jolt of adrenaline uh, too close to bedtime. And then they, you, you carry that on into, into thoughts and, and things, and you have one of those sleepless nights where you, you, can't, you can't unwind your brain. I could maybe see something like that happening, but I, I've never really happened, had it happen to me. Maybe I don't, I don't have a, an adrenaline jolt when I inject anymore. Maybe to me it's just, as they say, another day at the office is like whatever. But I can see your first couple of years uh, prepping your shot, the needle, Maybe a little blood squirts right out of the injection when you pull out and you're sitting there cleaning blood in, in the bathroom in the middle of the night so your partner doesn't say anything, right? I, I could see how that could jolt you up a little bit and, and ruin, ruin your night of sleep, give you some anxiety. But I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe at this point, I don't experience that anymore. So I would have not just, I get my shot ready, go into shower. And as soon as I'm coming out of the shower when I just rinsed and, and scrubbed my body, uh, put on a little bit of alcohol still anyway, and then do my shot and I'm, and I go on with my day and it could be on one of my two showers. I take one in the morning. I take one in the afternoon at nighttime usually. Um, so it'll be either one of those. Sometimes I'll do it right before my nighttime shower. It's, it makes no difference for me at this point, but I could see how I, a new Jack, um, the buildup to the shot, looking at the needle, that's give you a nice little adrenaline jolt that you can then translate into a whole, a whole sleepless night. You like to get scrubbed, scrubbed down in the shower. That's that's actually lovely. I, I definitely I love a fucking I love showering with someone to scrub me down for sure, buddy. Next up, we're gonna talk about. Um, I I look at, at the end of the day. If I lived in a cold climate, I would be like bats would be awesome. Like getting you know getting a nice, nice uh, nice bath. You know, with some relaxation and stuff. But nobody takes baths. If you live in a hot climate, nobody fucking like. Do you see people in, in Jamaica or or Cuba or Dominican Republic or something? Do you see them taking baths? No, no one takes baths. Well, usually, what people like to do in the tropics is like have an outdoor shower. You just go fucking take a cool, you know, cool outdoor shower, you know, outside. That's 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 what feels good when you're in a hot climate. So fuck no, hell no to a bath in, in a hot climate. I get more anxiety, <laughs> you know, you get out of the bath and you're like sweating bullets, you know? 
All right. So next one we're going to talk about is uh, blah, blah, blah. this guy is saying no matter what steroids he runs, he has low appetite on cycle. So one of the one of the one of the possibilities that's happening here for this guy, to be honest with you, is you know your body's just not feeling good. Your body's sick inside. You know, you're running these anabolic steroids and you feel sick. So when you feel sick inside, your body's sick inside, what's going to happen? You know, it's, it's, it's very, very simple. You know, you're, you're not going to have an appetite. If you've got like a, a pet at home, a dog, cat, and they don't have an appetite, that's the first thing a vet's going to ask you when you take them in. How's, how's their appetite? Because to the vet, if you say no, they haven't been eating good. That tells you that your animal is sick because animals in the wild, when they get sick, they don't eat, you know, they naturally fast. And that's, that gives their body the chance to kind of heal and recover itself and repair itself. Um, you shut the digestive system down and you know you let your body kind of cleanse itself so when you're running these foreign compounds in your body your body doesn't have that ability to cleanse itself so really what it's going to try to do it's going to tell you hey stop stop feeding me i am not feeling well i you're i feel i feel off you know so your body is going to do what it has to do to 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 make it to make it feel to, to, you know, to heal itself. Right. But since you're slamming steroids, it's not going to have the ability to, to, to heal itself. So my, my solution to this, is kind of complicated. It's a complicated solution, but my solution is don't go into cycle. If you're, if you're not well, uh, you got to run blood work, you got to run comprehensive blood work. You got to run your, your blood pressure, You've got to see, you know, am I in top shape? I always, before I run a steroid cycle, I push myself leading up to that cycle, a month or two leading up to the cycle, push myself. I go, I ramp up my cardio to get my heart health top, top shape. You know, I do some fasting to make sure my, my organs are clear, are clean, my kidneys, my liver, make sure they're clean. You know, obviously you want to avoid alcohol. You want to avoid things, you know, junk, junky foods that stress out your body. You want to, you want to do that. Prepare yourself before a cycle. So if you're always losing appetite on cycle, don't just ignore that. That's a huge red flag. That's a huge red flag. That, that means that you're not healthy and you probably should not be using steroids in the first place. You know, so my advice may be a little different than Rick's, but my advice is come off your, your steroid cycle. If you really, really don't have appetite and it's a consistent thing that you need to come off steroids, you need to figure out why your body is so stressed and sick that using anabolic steroids pushes you over the edge where you lose your appetite. You know what I'm saying? It means you're on the border of being healthy and sick. And then you go on steroids and that pushes you over the border. Now you're on the sick side of things. 
That shouldn't be the case. You should be very, very healthy, then go on steroids and sacrifice a little bit of your health where you're still healthy on steroids. But you cycle them smart, and then you come off and you give your body a chance to recover itself. You shouldn't be on the border of being unhealthy and healthy. You see what I'm saying? So listen to your body. This is just, just like the question earlier. You got to listen to your body more. You know, respect your body, guys. I mean, you got to respect your body a little bit here. I mean, it. but if it's like once in a while that you lose your appetite, you know, here and there, I would run with that. If it's one of those situations, I will listen to your body and just eat less food, you know, and see if eating less food, kind of your body adjusts to it. And then you don't feel the same way. And then maybe your appetite goes up a little bit. So what do you think, Rick? Finish off the show with your final thoughts on this very, very interesting question. Like Steve said, uh, a low appetite could be signs of some toxicity and some problems that you might be experiencing from your steroid use. Um, Also, uh, your mood and the things going on around you can affect your appetite. Supplements you might be taking can affect your appetite. Lifestyle changes, things like that can affect your appetite. You can do it a couple of ways, man. You could journal, uh, read research and figure out and pinpoint the exact reason why you could be having issues with your appetite while on the sauce, or you could just throw, throw some more drugs at the problem and go with something like MK677. Go with, uh, make sure to add equipoise in your cycles. Uh, maybe partake in, in THC, which is also a huge uh, way to increase appetite. So got a couple ways to go about it. You know, you, you could journal, And it's better to see it all when you write it down, figure out what could be causing your appetite. You know, you look at two or three factors that could be causing issues with the appetite, Google the fuck out of it, consult with people that know their stuff. If if, if you have access to them and figure out what it could be, tweak lifestyle changes, see that if that helps, that's the first way to go about it. Or you could just throw drugs at the problem. I just mentioned three, three good ones. Um, uh, THC maybe being the, the, the one that opens up your, uh, most people's appetite the most. And um, obviously, equipoise being uh, the, the milder of, of all of them. I don't think you're going to see a huge appetite increase on equipoise after your first shot. It might take a couple of weeks to build up and it might take some time. And uh, definitely MK677 is uh, it's pretty decent, pretty good for appetite right away. So both ways to go about it, man. Journal, examine, research, uh, process of elimination, experimenting yourself, figure it out, or you could throw more drugs at the problem. Um, That's it. All right. So great questions, guys. Keep them coming, guys and gals. Episode 463 in the books, Q&A. Talk to you next week. Have a good one, Steve. Have a good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.